You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Guidepost, uh, obviously presented by Costa Del Mar, our, our sponsor and the best sunglasses in the world. I read in the newspaper the other day that somebody's eyes actually fell out of their head while they were on a boat because they weren't wearing Costas. So you don't you don't want that to happen to you. So remember, uh, remember the companies that support conservation like Costa when you make your purchasing options. And please do not forget that if you have any questions, send your comments, send your questions or comments to comments at saltwaterguidesassociation.org. And if we read them on this awesome podcast, you will win a pair of coasters of your choice. And that's as cool as the other side of the pillow. So today, man, it has been a long time since I've been on here with William Goldsmith, PhD better known as a whole host of other names that we won't get into. I appreciate, I appreciate that. Um, How are you doing today, I'm good, Tony. It it has been a while. Uh, You know, it's, it's, it's good to be back in the, back in the ring with you here. um, I'm glad the sun's going down because you'll actually pay attention to the, to the podcast instead of looking out the window for breaking yeah, it's fish. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty hazy today. So you're lucky there anyway. Definitely helps with the concentration at the Hallelujah. desk today. So we have we have a pretty awesome guest today. Um, uh, Willie, I know I know you've known this gentleman for a long time. Um, I was privileged to meet him uh, during the science symposium. And, uh, you know, one of those one of those young guides that just impressed me right away ended up hopping on a on a trip with him uh, on his contender, I think the next day after the symposium, and we're blessed with uh, stripers cruising around on sur- on the surface in crystal clear water almost all day long. And I was like, you know what, this guy needs to tag Albies with us. <laughs> uh, so today, we have Jogo from Gorilla Tactic Sport Fishing. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Tony, and uh, thanks for having me. This gentleman is a new dad, and we were teasing him a lot before he hopped on here. So he may be a little tired and less animated than he normally is, but there's a pretty damn good reason, and all the dads out there in the podcast world are shaking their head, going, yeah, we get it, man. So big ups to big ups to this young man for uh, for actually being able to stay awake and on this podcast with me and Willie. So Willie, how did you, you met Jogo a long time ago, right? We did, you know, it's, it's one of those things where just kind of, I was doing bluefin research on the Cape and, and he was out here and we just kind of, it's, you know, it's this new era, Tony, right? Where you just, you get to know guys who are kind of in the same circle as you and, you know, talk to him a bunch about the research we were doing and, you know, looking at post-release mortality and, and trying to better understand angler behavior and just kind of, again, in that, in that, 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 uh, that Massachusetts bluefin tuna circle. I think that's about, that's about how it happened, Jogo, right? Just kind of over the years. Oh yeah, for sure. That was with uh with my time with uh Captain Dom with Coastal Charters. Um, that's kind of where I got started with all this, and definitely fell in love with the tuna fishing. 
Yeah, I did a bunch of tagging with Dom back in 2015, 2016. And certainly was, you know, I think I was supposed to get out with you a couple times as well when when Dom's boat was fully full. But unfortunately, I think it just never came together because Murphy's Law has a way with tuna tagging and you try to get out there and the weather doesn't cooperate or the fish don't cooperate or something. And I guess what I will say is that I am just knocking on wood. We have none of those issues with the Albies this fall. Yeah, hopefully uh, this weather trend here doesn't doesn't last another week because uh, past few days have not been pleasant, um, especially offshore. Inshore, depending on what the fish are doing, we we should be should be good to go. So, you know, so you, how long ago did you open up Gorilla Tactics, Jogo? Uh, Tony, this is my seventh year guiding. Um, I spent my first three seasons. Um, under coastal charters, um, working with Dom, mostly doing the offshore, the light tackle tuna. Um, but I kind of also did like the inshore side of his business. Um, he specifically only targeted tuna, but because of his, you know, his name and reputation, he, there was always calls coming in, um, for inshore. And that was kind of what got me going and, and started me as a guide. Um, I learned a lot with my time with him and yeah, w- wouldn't really change it for, for much. And then um, three years ago, this is my fourth season on my own now, or four years ago now, I guess um, was when I uh, broke off and started doing my own thing. That's a, that's a pretty scary thing, right? So, but just so that, just so the listeners know, you were actually a professional lacrosse player for a while. You've had a pretty, you've had some pretty interesting jobs, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a pretty, yeah. like, like if I, if I looked at your resume, I'd be like, this, okay, <laughs> this dude's pretty, this, this dude doesn't really give a shit, right? Like he just, he's just going to do what he loves and he's going to go with it. And that's a pretty cool thing. You know, most guides are doing it. They're not doing it to be millionaires. They're doing it because they love it. So you, you went from professional lacrosse player to kind of being a guide connected to you know uh, another business and then decided just what the hell i'm going to go out on my own yeah pretty much man um you know when i saw the light that i could could do this and and pursue it um i kind of put all uh stacked all the chips on one one side and uh really you know i had a house a, a life in new hampshire where i grew up and everything there and we kind of my wife now, Jen, is a huge part of me being down here and, and supporting me through all this. You know, we decided we could either get married and stay in New Hampshire and keep pursuing what we're doing, or we could roll some dice and move to the Cape. So basically the money that I was going to spend on a wedding, we spent moving and starting a business. Oh my God. You know what I have to, you know, what my one word comment to that is keeper oh yeah well, he, she's he, a keeper he named her boat after her uh her so i named his boat <laughs> yeah. after her so i think he's, he's he's stuck it's a good it's a good business model i like it and a good yes. marriage model i should say too uh, <laughs> yeah that's, that's certainly the best way to convince a woman to buy a boat <laughs> So I got to say, I got to say too, I think it was a good career move for Jogo because, you know, he's a pretty diminutive shrimpy dude. I know Tony was, you know, pretty underwhelmed that you're uh, at your stature and physical presence. Tony, we went fishing with you. Yeah, we were, we we were going over, we were going over like what size shirts people need. And I'm like, yeah, the, the, the barn door size for, uh, 
for Jogo. I think the like, term, I think the term Christ, brick shit house was it came to mind for yeah, you when you were I was trying like, to holy <laughs> mackerel like somebody somebody ate their wheaties like, there were a lot of, there were know? a lot of great moments at the symposium yes. but one of my favorites was when jenkins walked up to jogo and said this guy is why i was d3 and i thought that was pretty good <laughs> there it is so yeah so that was a, that was a comment on division three versus division one lacrosse um yeah, so Jinx was a great lacrosse player, and I know he listens to these. And by no way are we teasing the chairman of our association. Only because he teased himself, uh, Tony. Only because he teased himself. Yeah, this is a yeah, but this is this this dude's a big dude, man. That's all I know. And like, you got to understand, like I'm redneck stupid, and I don't I don't care how big somebody is. Like, I, it never really bothered me in my life. But like, Jogo's one of those dudes you look at and you're like, shit. <laughs> I got to come up with a plan B if this guy gets mad. Um, so, uh, so Jogo, you know, I, I guess, you know, start after just kind of starting a guides association, I've been really overly exposed to the fishery around Cape Cod. Um, you know, it was a place that I visited occasionally. Um, but, you know, kind of the more that I go there, the more that I'm like, oh my God, what a fishery. And like, it's, you know, it's a real, compared to the places like in the South where I'm from time-wise, it's a much more condensed fishery, you know, for some of the, for some of the more popular fish. I mean, I know she all still have stuff to catch in the winter sometimes, um, you know, until it's just too cold to even bother with it. But I got to tell you, I'm impressed. Like y'all have like breaking bluefin tuna and, and you got Albies and, you know, it's not uncommon for you to just drive past the school of breaking stripers because your clients want to catch something else. And I mean, look, living in Maryland right now, nobody's driving there. Are, first of all, there aren't any schools of breaking stripers. Second of all, nobody drive past them for any amount of money uh, at this point in the game. You know, y'all it's a pretty, whether it's like the amount of bait that you have, the water clarity, the way that y'all fish, the size, the ver the variety of the species, like what is what is your whole business? What's what's the whole nutshell of it? Because one day you could be doing one thing, and the next day, boom, let's put these different rods on the boat, and I got this kind of trip. So you week day to day, week to week, you could be doing a whole bunch of different stuff, right? You could be taking rods off the boat, loading new rods. People want to do different things. Like wh what is what does that look like? How hard is that to manage as a guide? Yeah, so um, that's definitely one thing that really separates me from a lot of guys here. Um, there are some that do it, um, but not as many, um, and definitely not like to the extent that I do. I believe, um, especially this time of year, Tony. Usually, like this time of year, because we do, we have striped bass, we have albies, you know, the light tackle tuna. Um, I, I've literally, it's very possible that I could do three different days and target three different species. Um, and on many occasions, I've actually done both where I've kept gear in my truck. Um, you know, I've done, I've done a tuna run in the morning and then come back, come back to the dock, throw, throw my tuna rods in my truck, pull out my Albi rods or my striped bass rods and go back out and do an afternoon, uh, you know, an afternoon bass or Albi trip. 
<laughs> hey, no, let's not neglect the black sea bass. Come on. I know you fish for them. I'm, I'm, I love well, black sea bass. I just got to say yeah, it. Definitely. Well, hold up. Forget about black sea bass. He's catching winter <sighs> flounder, too. There's... He said that when we got on the boat, and I'm like, oh, I, wanna, I haven't caught a winter flounder in 20 years. Like, sign me up, man. Those are awesome little fish. Yeah. I love them. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, You know, in the spring, I start my season basically like that first week of May. Um, We have a pretty fantastic squid run here on the cape where it's a, it's a daytime fishery and when it's good it's really good um and that's typically short-lived you know seven to ten days weather depending and the run depending um and from there uh, you know i do the winter flounder some blackfish in the spring um i don't do a ton of blackfish but i do some and usually I do it as a combo trip with the winter flounder and the blackfish. Um, and then, you know, black sea bass season open. I start targeting those. And once striped bass show up, there's a little flip-flop between the two where sometimes I'll, I'll do, you know, striped bass and black back to black sea bass, which isn't a huge, huge conversion compared to like the fall where it's either tuna, you know, Big rods, little rods, different leaders. Um, but we, I, I, I truly believe that, you know, the Cape does have a, a world-class fishery that kind of gets underrepresented. Um, you know, I, 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 I would compare it to pretty much anywhere on the planet. As far as, as far as the light tackle tuna goes, I mean, this is probably one of the better places in the world to, to target these fish with, with artificials and spinning gear. From, from somebody who's not, from around there y'all are both from that area you grew up there you've been fishing since you could walk um passionately since you could walk both of you the thing that amazes me is how close all this is so for you know perspective in maryland i gotta go 80 miles in one direction to catch a tuna I got to go out to the canyons. Look, yeah, somebody's listening to the podcast. Like, oh, caught one at the hot dog. And, you know, you're like, okay, all right. So to target them and to have a shot, to spend all that money to go out, I'm going 80 miles in one direction. To get stripers, I mean, geez, I may have to go 20, 30 miles in one direction for them. Um, You know, for flounder, whole different thing, totally different direction. And all of this... Everything that you just named, theoretically, you could actually do that in one day. Like, they're pretty close. Like, if you wanted to catch a black sea bass, a winter flounder, a striper, and a tuna, they're not that, even if the season's a little bit different, they're really not that far apart from where you fish. If someone wants to go catch light tackle tuna with you, you're not putting a beanbag in the front of the contender and saying, go to sleep for two hours. I'll wake you up when we get there. It's relatively close, right? I mean, yeah. it's amazing. I mean, it shocked me. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've caught fish, you know, we say off the beach, but within three miles of the coast, you know, that's very, very common. You know, um, I would say like, for example, a big fishery going on here now is, you know, an area called the sword, which, in our, you know, as far as me as a guide running for tuna, it's about a 30 something mile run from shore. And that's, I would consider that a, a far run for us because 
I think even driving to the store, we're, we're driving by fish to go fish there, you know? But, you know, as to, to get to it's your... A, it, it's an awesome... It is an awesome fishery, yeah. right? That's my, that's my point yeah. in the whole thing is like, you know, if 30 miles is a long run for you to throw poppers and jigs and metal at bluefin tuna, sign me up, right? Besides, like, the whole, you know, people not waving to you, hearing my voice and automatically thinking I'm, you know, come from you know so i have six fingers and toes and 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 i and i come from like some backwoods holler um you know besides those basic stereotypes that i that i fall under as soon as i land in logan airport um it's a really cool place um you know and it's it's the the water and the tides are just it's so pretty it is so i if if some people haven't fished there I strongly recommend that you do. So Jogo took us out, uh, took me and Willie out. I had the wrong weight fly rod. Um, I had everything wrong. I didn't have the right flies. I had the wrong fly rod. And I had the right weight dock. And Willie Willie had the right stuff. And him and Jogo <laughs> caught fish the whole time. And I didn't catch shit. Um, but that's on me, not on him. Uh, next time I will, I will have a different quiver of fly rods with me. Um, but all, all just amazing watching watching fish that I know very well do things that I've never seen them done, and that to me was worth the price of admission. You know, just lo- just schools of stripers lollygagging on the surface, just like meandering around, slick calm. You know, crazy. Never seen anything like it in my life. They're just like going for a Sunday walk. It was it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. So at that point, you know. I took a look at your, I took a look at your boat, uh, your personality, like everything. And I was like, this is the guy who needs to be taken the scientist out with our two other team members and Peter Fallon and Jamie Boyle. And my, and of course, Mike Hogan from Hoagie Lures, who's a huge sponsor of ours has been so kind. It's ridiculous. But I was like, this is, this is one of the guys that needs to, needs to be taken the scientist out because he has experience tagging and you know we got to take care of these fish. We got to make sure that they they ping and 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 the science actually works. So like to get into Albies, like what does that little fish mean to you? Because it means it means different stuff to a lot of different people up and down the coast. Uh well, as far as inshore goes up here, the Albie fishery once they show, it really it, it creates a frenzy. I mean, guys travel all from all over New England. You know guides recreational guys everybody um comes here for this for this fishery because it's just um it's it's so much fun it's very visual it's active it takes a little bit more skill um it's you know i always compare it's just an inshore version of what i do offshore for the bluefin um and it just the the buzz that occurs on the water when algae start to show is it's pretty impressive because from the second the first one's caught and it reads social media or you know people catch wind of it, it it's on and everybody from kayaks shore anglers i mean little tin boats all the way to 40 foot center consoles are out here chasing these things um 
I really enjoy it. For me, it's 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 a great fish for me to target. For example, if I can't get offshore with my tuna guys, um, there's many a times where say I don't have the weather, and my guys are here. They traveled here. Um, it's it's a good it's a good alternative for me. Um, but I also enjoy fishing for them, and you know I, I'm I'm building a clientele for Albies, and it's I love it. It's a fun fish. It's a great fish. Not a, they they are they can be persnickety, but I'm sure when you're on an Albi trip, maybe it's a little more of a fun trip and less pressure than something like a bluefin trip, right? Is there a little less yelling? I think is what Tony's yes. asking. Yes, one hundred percent. Well, I think the expectations because, like you know, you you get a group of guys who are Albi fishing, they're not interested in taking anything home, you know they they just want to go out there for the fun, but you know, the, I under, and I look, man, I'll, I'll eat, I'll eat bluefin tuna every day from breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the rest of my life. Like, I love it. I could eat, I could eat sushi, but man, like I, I never get sick of it. Never. It's probably my favorite thing besides Italian food in the world. And I'm saying that for my mom, God rest her soul. Uh, so she doesn't throw lightning bolts down from heaven at me. And, um, you know, I, I get the expectations, but as a guide, you know, it's kind of a different vibe on the way out, right? If you know that's kind of what you're doing that day. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, it's definitely a different vibe. There's obviously the the pressures of targeting Albies over targeting Bluefin are far less. Um, but some guys do have high expectations. Um, and as Willie mentioned briefly there is, you know, there are times where you could be surrounded by fish and you could be pulling your hair out trying to figure out what they want to eat. You know, Um, they can key on very small baits. uh, And like I said, or vice versa, right? You, you, you can gas your guys up like, Hey, Albi fishing has been great and getting, you know, double digit fish a day. Everything's great. And then you go out and it's a ghost town. So at which point you got to burn a lot of fuel, but like you mentioned, you know, fortunately here, I mean, I've, I've gone literally, I've run the whole Southern edge of Cape Cod to, to find fish, you know? So if that's the case, that's the case. But luckily, especially this year, every, everything's been relatively close to home, which has been nice. Um, but as a guide, you do have to be willing to, to look, you know, burn some fuel and, and, and go find fish because there's, Sometimes it's easy, and but oftentimes it's not. <laughs> and you hear all about, you know, the this color with this kind of retrieve, you know, for your epoxy jigs or what have you, and all sorts of weirdness that goes on with those things. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty interesting how how persnickety, uh, as Tony said, they can be. Well, think about <laughs> all the podcasts we've done on them, Willie. And if we had every person that we did a podcast on, so we did roller. We did Tom Roller in North Carolina, Dixon in Long Island, Mike Platt in in the Sound in Connecticut, Jogo now, and every person kind of has their own way of doing it. I mean, it just goes to show you how how crazy these little fish are. You know, some people swear leader doesn't matter. Others people said you know it can it can make or break your day. Um, some some people goof around and will throw like a dock for albies like this giant 
top order plug and other people are throwing you know size four flies with two strands of bucktail and a set of eyes epoxy to them and it's just i, I don't i don't know man it's at, at five hundred thousand directed trips a year on the atlantic coast it seems like everybody's got their own thing if you go down to florida they live chum you, you have a you have a fly with clouser eyes and four saddle hackles on the back and you throw out and just hold it in the current and they'll come up and drill it you don't even have to you don't even have to cast like it's and they're huge and so it's just kind of different everywhere um i am i am not as passionate of an albie angler as as a lot of people are i like catching them i don't i don't have anything against them and certainly i've learned more about them in the past couple of weeks than i had ever hoped to um but i see the allure you know i i, I see the allure for anglers and why they would want to book you to go out and catch these things because the reality is man not, not everyone can swing a bluefin tuna trip right and and um, oh yeah and this kind of this gives you the opportunity to catch a pelagic fish with a sickle tail that can rip Serious some drag, dad joke opportunity you know? missed there tony what'd you say buddy upper opportunity opportunity mm -hmm. well I just was, you know, you, you, you always, you always tend to brag about your dad jokes and that one was just laid out right there for you. It so I just wanted to put it out there, but no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it is, it's, as you said, it's, it's the same game, right? It's the same kind of stuff. And I'm one of the, the weirdos out there who had the privilege of learning how to spin fish for bluefin from Dom, you know, back, back 10, 12 years ago now, and didn't, didn't never Albie fish till much later. And I think for me, it was very much the opposite. Oh, it's just like bluefin, but smaller. But I think for a lot of people, it becomes kind of that gateway. You know, it's just like just like Albies, but bigger. And so I think obviously you, you learn a lot there and you get that you get that same uh, that, that same experience. So we did, this is kind of we're doing like backwards and forwards here when I ask you this question. But I like to I like to ask everyone this question. So the listeners kind of get a feel for who we're talking to, because we know you. We spent time on a boat. We love you. But um what was that point in your life? I mean, I, I'll tell you right now, I, I, I had a couple. I'll give you an example. Point in my life where I knew fishing was it for me. And that's all I wanted to do. And like, you know, my mom's like, become a lawyer. And I'm like, no, I want to fish. You know, I was like, I was like, uh, I was like little Ricky Bobby. Like, I want to go fast. Like, I'm just like, I just want to, what do you want to do this weekend? I want to fish. Um, so like, was it always a part of your life, Jogo? Was it, you know, did you kind of have an epiphany growing up? Was there, was there something that, was there a, a family member, a mentor? Like what, what sent you here as a kid? Uh, so it's, it's actually a really cool question. Um, what kind of got me into the fishing is, so I'm originally from Brazil. And when my family immigrated here, you know, I was five and a half, six years old. Um, you know, at, at that point, you know, my mother and my older siblings, everybody worked. And when I say worked, they worked a lot. So as a young kid, uh, I essentially raised myself. And I was fortunate that where I grew up, I was close to the Merrimack River and a bunch of ponds and fishing really filled that void for me as far as like what am I gonna do all day? Um I wasn't a huge video game guy and it, it was, you know, I got introduced to it from my older brother, but 
I kind of took it to the next level because I, I that was where I spent almost all of my free time was on the water. And I'm, you know, it was nothing for me to go fishing six, seven days a week. Uh, and it was never, it was never, uh, I guess my mom never questioned what I was doing or where I was. Cause she, she kind of knew, you know, I literally pack a lunch, get on my bike and go to the river and chase smallmouth all, all day long. And I, I, even when I go home to visit now, I still go do the same thing because it really it, it's a that's really what sparked the whole fishing thing for me. And do you uh, still do you still get to go home and fish those places? You absolutely, fished as a kid. And like absolutely. Bring are they absolutely. are they still decent? Are they still like they still hold fish? Maybe not exactly like they, you remember. They but still hold you fish. You can go there and be like, I know that log. You know, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, it's really cool because like you know that's really cool, man. My uh, you know, my older siblings my nephews you know i'm I'm the youngest by a mile so when my nephews were old enough to to start taking them fishing it's really cool that you know i have that history and a lot of you know i know that suction of the river like the back of my hand just just like you said like i know what's sitting behind that rock or that log and it's really cool to go home and and go to those Jogo, same areas I I talked to my net, my nephews still live where I grew up in the South. And I talk, I give them pointers on lakes <laughs> that they fish now that I fished 40 years ago. Yeah. You know, that, that I'll be like, Hey, you know, they'll call me like, Oh my God, I lost a big one right where in the cove where you told me, you know, yes. like it, it's, it's pretty cool to pass that down. And let me tell you, I mean, I swear that is why every single person in this association does what we do because you know i'm sure something that you're looking forward to is taking your little beautiful baby girl as soon as she can walk and hold a fishing rod on a family trip to see your family up in new hampshire and to walk her down to that river and watch her reel in her first little fish. 100%. I mean, I'm sure that was probably the second thought after you were like, after she came out and you're like, is everything okay? You're like, okay, I'm taking you fishing, right? You, I mean, you can be honest. Nobody listens to this anyway. You yeah, know that's The wife's true, definitely right? not listening to it, but yeah, for no, sure. No, no, no. They don't listen to anything. I, I, I agree, dude. I agree. That's, a, that's definitely like a special thing. And, and with my nephews, just, just as you described, you know? They'll call me like, hey, we're going here. And they'll be like, well, go do this or check this place. You know, it, it's 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 really how many, cool. Let me ask you a question. How many nephews do you have? Uh, up in New Hampshire. Because I know you got a big four, family. I, in, I right? do. I, know. I do. Um, I have four, two, two for my brother and two for my sister. And they're now, the two older boys are like 21. And the two younger boys are literally like 18, 19. Um, so I'm already kind of I stopped that counting phase. at a dozen. Yeah. Okay. I literally, for some reason, I only have, what, let me, hold on. I'm going to get somebody mad. I only have three nieces, three. I have like 14 nephews. Yeah. 14. I mean, it's like football at Christmas. Somebody always breaks something like I can vividly remember calling my one nephew a sissy and he had a broken elbow. I was like, what are you crying for? You're going to mess up dinner. And he's like, it hurts, it hurts. And they took him to the emergency room after and he broke his elbow. And I was like, wow, I kind of feel bad about that. You know what I mean? Like mocking him at the dinner table, but that's another story. Um, but no, man, I mean, that's, that is what it's all about. Right. Is like kind of 
you know, because I, I mean, I, I can tell you my experience as a kid, like I would ended up in a much worse place in life if I didn't have fishing. Oh, I right? agree. Uh, when all my, my friends are getting in trouble, doing all sorts of stuff, I was like, I'm fishing. Um, you know, and I just think uh, the one thing it taught me, and I know you as a person, and I'm, I know it taught you the same thing, is like you're just a little grain of sand on a beach. There's a lot going on out there. Uh, you not, you know, good fishermen are not selfish people, man. They, they know that they're just part of a big ecosystem and they're just trying to, trying to play a little, a little teeny tiny role in it. So what does the rest of your season look like? I know you're, I'll be tagging with us. Actually, you know what, since you already put a couple of tags in, how was that? Like, I know you've done tagging before, but how, how was, how was your experience tagging the Albies with our group? So, so far, I mean, I actually tagged a few today with, uh, I fished with Mike Hogan today and, um, we put a couple tags out and that was great. I've done a few spaghetti tags, uh, throughout a few of my charters. Um, but truthfully, when I, the first few tags I put out, um, I put out while I was doing, so I do shark research off of Nantucket through the New England Aquarium as well. Um, the girl that I work with, Caroline, is also going to be, she's going to be doing the surgeries, I believe, on our Albi trips. Um, she's a great scientist, wicked cool girl, loves to fish. Um, you know, I've, I've worked this shark project with her all summer long, and it's been great. But the first few Albi tags I put out, she actually got her hands on um, external acoustic tags because they wanted to try the external tags versus having to perform surgery on the fish, you know? Um, and while we were shark fishing, well, we have to catch bait first and we happened to be in an area where there was Albies and it was pretty cool because that day we, we put out eight acoustic tags for Albies and two shark tags from the same location. Man, that's a pretty good bang for your buck, huh? Two sharks and eight Albies in one day. Um, that's awesome, man. Like that's, <laughs> I don't know if you can hope for much more if you're trying to get different kinds of research done at once. Um, and yeah, I know that that's something that, that Jeff Nebone has talked about a bit with us as well as kind of thinking about, you know, how do we best get the data we need while having the minimal impact to the fish, right? So the, you know, internal surge surgery versus the external, um, you know, having those tags just kind of put right on the back of those fish. And I, I guess I'm, I'm curious, Jogo, you kind of got at this earlier, but Obviously, we're so thrilled to have you be part of both the spaghetti tagging work and the acoustic tagging work. What kind of drives you to get in, into the research aspect of this stuff, right? So you're doing the shark stuff with the folks at the aquarium, and now you're doing the Albi stuff with us. And, you know, I know we were talking in past about, about bluefin research. Like, what what's kind of, you know, your philosophy about getting engaged in some of those efforts? Um, well, so I really got into it because that's that's really what I went to college for. Aside from playing lacrosse, uh, was you know I have a degree in wildlife and fisheries conservation. You're a UMass guy, um, right? So, yes, yeah. sir. Good trout fishing out there, buddy, for sure. It, plenty of it, plenty of it. I, I I did I did quite a bit of it. I'm sure you did. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, and the you guys are a bunch of spot burning mofos, man. If, if That's things for <laughs> spot burning, then we are guilty as charged. That is, yeah. I would say, the most well known <laughs> trout stream. And all of Massachusetts, if not New England. Ah, okay, Massachusetts. Yeah. Burners. It's okay, we can go ahead and beep it I out. I know he's done it for me in the past. Um, so you know, having having that background with school really, you know, I I feel like I'm actually using my degree a little bit, which is nice. 
Um, and then also it's, you know, I, it's none of this, all, all of this is benefiting me as far as like my future, this research, you know, having answers to stuff that we don't know, protecting a fishery um, that, you know, we, we don't know. Like the Albi is a perfect example where this is, you know, a pilot program where we're just trying to get an idea of what's going on with with stocks and, you know, what the impact is of recreational guys and catch and release more, you know, catch and release mortality, same thing that we apply to striped bass and, and, and bluefin and everything, you know? Um, so for me as a guide, the, the more of this that I get involved in, it's, it, it only benefits me down the road. Um, and it's also cool for me because guess what? It, it, it breaks up my day a little bit. It, you know, it's a different, different routine, different, you know, for example, like the shark research we discussed, like that's really cool for me because th there's no pressure for me. I'm just driving the boat, you know, uh, it's, it's whether we catch fish or not at the end of the day, it's, it's based on my scientists decisions and some of mine, but not more, more her than me, you know? And I'm, and I'm kind of out of the game now, but I would just say in general, fishery scientists are pretty awesome people and you get to be out there all day. I know Tony treasures our time together. So I can only imagine how much, how much joy you get out of spending the day offshore with, with some of those guys. Oh, oh man, I, I, I definitely do. Um, like, as, as I mentioned, like, um, you know, the, the ladies I work with, it's uh, Caroline and Jesse. Uh, I believe Jesse is underneath Caroline as a or MBA or I'm not sure the order of where they're at in their career, but what I do know from those girls fishing with them all summer long is that a they're not scared to get their hands dirty. Um, they really have a passion for fishing, um, which is great because you know on my end, I would like to see that this research is going towards a fishery that it's going to, you know, towards fishing and not towards something negative towards fishing. Um, but it, it, it's great. They're, they're great people. We have a great time and yeah, I, I actually, I, I look forward to doing more of it. Either I need to hire them as scientists or I need to go fishing with scientists more often. Because generally speaking, if if I have like let's say for example a scientist editing a blog, now who could you um, be talking about? I, I can't. Actually, I can't imagine. I actually want to swallow an M80 firework. <laughs> <laughs> Just as an example, my day does not does not I sound think, very. I think there would be less read after that than there would be after I'm done with the track changes on your blog, Stony. Yeah, like you can't even see it anymore. Like our, our document, it's just like, did I actually even write that? Um, so, um, so no, man. Like we're thrilled because this Albi project is going to be two years, right? So this is just our first year. We're kind of getting used to the process, you know. Knock on wood. By our second year, I think we'll be on 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 cruise control. We're obviously thrilled with the way it's going right now. You'll obviously be, you know, your experience with this little fish this year will carry over into next year. I think make it even easier um, for everyone involved. But like, you know, here's a goofy question: just because of your school background and obviously your knowledge of fisheries what's what's one or two things that you would like to find out about albies you know so like 
I'm going to set the stage for you. 15 years from now, um, uh, rather than beat to death your beautiful daughter's first boyfriend, you decide to take her albie fishing, and you all have an incredible day, incredible day albie fishing, and you kind of in the back of your head, you're like, well, when I did that tagging 15 years ago, we found out these two things, and that helped us better manage them. And that's directly related to my daughter and me having this special memory together. So, like, what two things would you like to find out about Albies if you had a if you had a pie in the sky wish list? Um, I would say kind of. I, w- I would like to know their travel routes. I want to know where our fish are coming from. Kind of like where our stock, like let's say for example, you know the the fish that land here on the Cape, they're obviously different than the ones that land on the Carolinas. You know, that's a different batch of fish. Those are much bigger fish. Um, and two, like, I'm really curious with, like, the release mortality um, because I know that they're they're pretty sensitive fish, and it's – well, they seem sensitive. It's funny because, you know, sometimes you can hook a fish right in the corner of the mouth and everything looks fine, but where that hook is is, is bleeding a ton. But you release that fish and it swims away fine. So, you know, in the back of your head, like, is that fish okay? Or is it not? Um, so, and on my end, that just helps me, you know, I need to handle these things quicker, safer, because a lot of times, especially with the albie fishing, is, you know, people catch an albie that they want a picture. And I, I find that, you know, me as a guide, I try to go through that process as fast as possible. But being in a fleet and watching other people catch fish and watching other people the excitement that they have of catching that fish, but they also want to document it. Uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that fish that could have survived may not have because they're getting handled that much more simply for a photo. Well, the good news is I think that with the research that we're doing and ongoing, um, I think that, maybe one day we'll be able to answer those questions. You know, just like anything else, science takes a little bit of time. Uh, It's going to take a lot of work, uh, but we have the right people doing it and the right team organizing it. And, and, you know, I think the shocking thing for me and a lot of the listeners is just to think about this fish. I mean, particularly in your geographic area, and in Harkers, and in, you know, some other areas up and down the coast, that, man, people love these things. Um, We had, Jogo, we had, like, uh, over 1,100 signatures on our letter. That was a two-week effort. We hadn't really announced anything policy-wise. We had just been discussing the science. Nobody had a background on what we were doing. We said, hey, we think these fish should be managed. And we got, I don't know, 150, 200 brands and businesses. I don't know how many guides. And, and then the rest wreck anglers to for a total of like 1,100 people from everywhere. We had some guy from Oklahoma signing. Yeah. We had people from California. Um, <clears throat> these things have a following, man. Oh, they, they, and I just think that, do. uh, I, I I feel like uh, I feel like you and I and Willie, of course, you know, 
it's fine to go out and catch fish. It's fine to keep some. It's fine to participate in the fishery. But it's awesome to see, especially the younger generation, which you or Willie are, saying the things that you're saying, Jogo, because it's like you take responsibility for what you're doing and you want to do it in the best possible way to make sure that there's 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 fish next year and the year after that and the year after that. And I think you're I think one of the things that I picked up from this podcast is that you're open to learning, uh, even though you have a lot of experience on the water. And to me, that that says a hell of a lot about the person that you are. I mean, I say all the time, if the day the first day I go fishing, and I don't feel like I learned something, I'll quit. Because um, to me, that's the coolest thing about the sport, right? So that's what this whole Albi project is. And I, I'll tell you, from the Guides Association perspective, we are thrilled uh that you're one of our guys out there tagging them we're we're happy with the with the with the pinger the acoustic tags we're really happy you're putting the spaghetti tags in them and you know we probably we have i think we're gonna get a dna fin clip study off the ground here shortly and and obviously we'll ask you to participate in that the whole enchilada and lord knows what you know that's the beauty of a data poor species anything we collect is going to aid right the body of science so i think the guides association is real real fortunate to have people like you uh helping us out uh and i think your clients are real fortunate too to have a guide like you taking them out when you're not tag tagging albies for us um joe goes a great guy um you know i i strongly suggest anyone listening to this to hop on gorilla tactics he has a sick contender that he maintains meticulously um great great personality young guide who absolutely loves every moment that he's out there fishing uh family man checks all the boxes for me um and uh and i, I want to thank jogo for being on the podcast giving us a little bit of his incredibly valuable time with a little baby at home and um and you know great guest man we look forward to having you on here again buddy awesome thank you very much tony and willie uh i really appreciate everything and i'm um, beyond excited to be part of all this we appreciate it man get some sleep 